You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, we got some uh, exciting stuff going on, believe it or not. It's mostly probably nonsense, but um, some exciting stuff going on. Apparently, um, there are some wide receivers, all of them kind of similar in a way, Um, but Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel are all apparently, um, well, let's let's be honest and start with this. They're doing what players are sort of just expected to do at this point. Um, This is just the new thing that you do. This is what Christian Kirk did. This is what, I guess, players just do. If you are a really talented player and... Um, you approach the team and say, hey, you know, um, I think we are sort of due for some money. What do you think? And they're like, nah, I think we're good. I think we got some time. We'll we'll talk about it at a later time. Um, And the season's about to start, and there's concerns about, you know, I don't know, injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Possibly a reduction in, in, um, I don't want to say talent necessarily, but let's say you've kind of, peaked and there's some concern that maybe last year was going to be better than this year. Um, the goal is going to be, we need the money now. And so the first thing that you do to put the the heat on is to just delete everything from your social media and, and kind of throw a mini temper tantrum. Um, that's just the way it is. It, it almost kind of reminds me of a college degree. It's stupid and it's kind of useless because everybody does it. So it doesn't mean anything anymore. But also you have to do it because it's required, right? Because it's so um, meaningless, if you don't have it, then you don't get a job. You know what I mean? Like that's that's bare minimum. It's it's sort of like not graduating high school at this point. Like you didn't graduate high school? Like you didn't uh, get a college degree? Like are you, what, are you stupid or something? Um, that's kind of what the temper tantrum is these days. Like if you don't throw a mini fit on social media and pout – then um, you're not really serious. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean all that much, but it is interesting. Green Bay Packers need a wide receiver. Um, as much as on one hand you would say, well, the Packers prefer the draft over this, that, or the other thing, we also understand that the Packers are in number one all-in mode. That is to say they fully intend to win immediately, right? They refuse to let go of Aaron Rodgers because they believe they're on the cusp. And they also know that he may be gone after this year, potentially. Could be this year, could be two years, three years, ten years, I don't know. Um, and so the the big inconsistency then is, 
We don't really have a lot of really good wide receivers right now, and we also don't really put a lot on rookies. We don't like, I shouldn't say we don't like rookies, but we don't like them taking a big uh, role in our offense or defense. And um, beyond that, Aaron Rodgers in particular doesn't really like um, relying on people that don't understand the offense very well. And Matt LaFleur doesn't either. And so they just don't end up getting a big role, right? You don't know what you're doing, so I'm not going to put you out there. And if I do, Rodgers isn't going to throw to you anyway. So why don't you just sit over here and, and learn the offense? So from that standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to um, instead find a veteran that can come in. Now, you still want to draft somebody, but that's somebody you draft is going to maybe take a more prominent role next year. The question, though, is what do you do this year? And obviously the Packers aren't willing to forfeit this year, and I don't think anybody expects Sammy Watkins to necessarily come in and just be this top-end number one. Um, or or even, exp- you know, not because you need a top-end, but um, expects the wide receiver room in any combination in its current form to be good enough. Let's put it that way. And so on, on one hand, you look at it and go, no, they're not going to do anything. And on the other hand, you, you almost think, you feel like they kind of need to. Um, we need wide receiver. We need a non-rookie wide receiver. Um, it's just kind of sitting there. Now, it sounds as though A.J. Brown and the Titans are going to agree to a deal. That is the rumor. I don't know, but it sounds as though that's going to be a thing. And I'm assuming it's it's either that or Terry kind of just comes back to work and they get back to business. And with Washington, they don't really have anybody. And so, you know, if you've got a guy like Terry McLaurin and you don't have a quarterback, you don't have really anything that you're doing well right now, um, you just pay the freaking guy. What else are you going to do? The real interesting thing, though, comes in with Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, I believe, is the best of the three. um, And we can look into the three different guys. But that is sort of the assumption at this point, based on what he's been able to do uh, statistically. And Oh, sorry. Tired and everything else. But the interesting thing is, he's taken it a little bit further. Um, And I shouldn't even say he is. I mean, from what we've heard directly from him, he's just scrubbed his social media like everybody else. But you're starting to hear reports of of maybe there being a little bit more to it. The first report I saw of this was from Bobby Thompson. I don't know who that is, but NFL journalist covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New England Patriots for... uh, couple different sites or whatever 8,000 followers not that that necessarily matters but it's better than the guys with like 200 followers and you're like okay I'm writing this off continuing on you got NFL rums who I know has a terrible track record of being fake but I I think it's you know to some degree there's I'm sure what he wants is sort of a fake it till you make it thing eventually he wants to do this for real Um, he dug this up Debo Samuel's brother has commented on the San Francisco 49ers uh, page or whatever on their Facebook page saying that Debo will be asking the 49ers for a trade. There's another comment. This is from JPA Football. Again, don't know anything about them. They do have 94,000 followers, though. I'm probably going to have to follow this one. I don't know where this came from. Um, Providing accurate news, rumors, stats, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, another Facebook comment from Debo Samuel's brother. He won't be a 49er, crying, laughing face. That's all that matters. Now, to be clear, um, they posted a screenshot of Taekwon Samuel saying all this stuff. Here's a, another post that uh, 
Somebody said, trade him. His brother comes in and says, don't worry, we're asking for a trade. Laughing, crying face. But then later he came out and was like, you guys take stuff and run with it. I don't, uh, I don't know anything about my brother. Sort of the translation of what he said. And again, laughing, crying face. Couple things. Number one, no, you don't get to play the you guys are silly thing. You're his brother. And you kept referring to the situation as we. It's not that hard to believe that your brother is doing things and you are like part of his quote-unquote team, whether that's in your head or not. Um, but no, it's, it's absolutely not surprising that the brother would have some kind of insights as to what his brother is doing. Um, it also, I mean, again, when you kind of talk about what makes more or less sense, it makes significantly less sense that his brother knows absolutely nothing and decides to go around and just lie for fun. And is like, nope, my brother's mad. He hates it there. He's going to be asking for a trade, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, on top of guys like Bobby Thompson, prior to his brother going around saying it, coming out with rumors saying he's frustrated with the 49ers and wants to play elsewhere. This is also, I just saw this this morning, so I have not been able to confirm this, but this is, again, NFL rum. says ESPN's Adam Schefter said Debo Samuel, quote, wants to move on from the 49ers. So again, from multiple different angles, from a lot of random people, from his brother, even though he kind of tried to take it back, like, nah, man, I'm, I'm just messing around, um, which again, what makes more sense? The fact that he doesn't know anything and was just lying, or the fact that he does know something, and then his brother's like, dude, shut up, and then he's like, oh, my bad, and then he goes on social media, he's like, <laughs> you guys fell for it, you're so stupid, right? I mean, I don't know. Who knows these things? But again, from multiple situations, why would he be frustrated? I don't exactly know. Um, I don't know. You're a young guy. As long as they're willing to pay you, and maybe that's f fully the situation, is that you know you, they are just not willing to pay you and you just want to go anywhere where you're going to get paid. Maybe he's just upset with the talent level of the 49ers overall. That would seem relatively surprising. Anytime you're a young guy on a playoff team, you should be at least content with that. Um, who knows what's going on with Trey Lance? I guess maybe that's something, you know, not having a quarterback is going to be somewhat concerning. The guy that was your quarterback is injured and kind of out the door, but also kind of like, we're not sure if we want to let him go. And I don't really know. And Trey Lance is here, but we don't know if we like him. And also we were going to play him last year, but then he wasn't very good. So we didn't. And we kept Jimmy in there and a whole lot of just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what his problem is, but it's out there. And so there's, there's kind of just, a few elements left. Obviously, the first one being how serious is this? Um, the second being how willing are the 49ers going to be to let him go? I'm guessing not very, right? If this was the Packers, you know, as much as this all came up like on draft day last year with Aaron Rodgers, and we were thinking, if I'm the Packers, I'd trade him all this stuff because I'm scared. If he retires, then we get nothing. The Packers held firm and are like, no, you're going to play here. That's just the way it is. I get the impression the 49ers would take the same tact with. Debo Samuel, right? There's no reason. I mean, they, they don't have a very big financial stake in Debo Samuel as it is. Their quarterback is brand spanking new. I mean, they're, they're, they're not super pressed to make a big decision right now. Um, and Debo is one of the best players on their team. So it would make sense to just say, nope, you're not going to do that. And if you choose, which by the way, I don't think he has very much leverage at all. If you choose to sit out, then you just delay getting that big pile of money, which is what everybody wants. Ultimately, what he wants is to not get that fifth-year option. He's, he's, or is, he, is that even an option? 
never mind. He's a second round guy, anyways. He he wants to not go into the season before he gets a contract. R- r- again, this is why I said the fifth year option doesn't matter either way because either way, this is what you're gonna want. I want a contract this year, whether there was a fifth year option or not. The point is, I want that contract now. I don't want the option. I don't want to go into the season without a contract. I want to get paid immediately. And and what the 49ers know is by next year, you're going to be a very, very rich man. Be patient, right? And Debo's trying to play hardball and say, no, I'm not doing that. Trade me or I'm not playing. And and I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't just play hardball and say, well, then don't don't play. And we'll see you back here next year. And we'll play this dance again. And you can ride this out for the next 10 years and retire, never having gotten that big pile of money if that's what you want. But I don't think that's what you want. Right, that's that's what I think the 49ers are going to do. The only real difference is if if this isn't a game and this isn't a ploy, and he just really hates the 49ers, right? If it's kind of a Devonte situation where, you know, whether it's hatred or just a desire to go somewhere else or whatever the situation is, it's it's just become very clear that um, it's just I'm never going to play for you. In other words, if if they offer him a contract and he says no, that's when it's becoming a big issue, and I don't necessarily know that it's that serious. Um, but the, the point is, there's a, a ton of obstacles. Another big obstacle, another point in this whole situation is if he gets traded, how much do the Packers want him? And then the bigger thing is how likely are the 49ers to send him to Green Bay, which is a pretty big rival. They're not in the same division, but if you're the 49ers, the Packers are one of the teams you absolutely don't want to send him to. Now, a lot of other teams have kind of punched themselves out, they're, they've put themselves out of the market. You know, I don't know if the Chiefs can bring on a, another guy. They've already brought in um, MVS. They've already brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. Are they going to bring in a third guy that they're going to pay a ton of money to? You know, the Raiders, I doubt it. The, the, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, they've all just paid a billion dollars to wide receivers. That's not to say that there's nobody left, but the market has significantly slowed. So the point is, there's a there's a glimmer of something here with with Debo Samuel being very disgruntled and possibly not staying on the 49ers. But the path from there to becoming a Green Bay Packer is massive. It's massive, right? It, it is it real? Uh, would the 49ers let him walk? Would they trade him to the Packers? Would the Packers be willing to even go get him? When you factor in the cost of at, at, at a minimum a first-round pick, and it may even be more, even though he's not Devontae, the guy is, what, 24 years old or something crazy? How old is the guy? He's 26, whatever. So you're getting a young guy on a rookie contract, and, and then on top of that, you're going to have to pay him next year, though. So there's the, the draft capital, and then you're going to have to pay him a bunch of money. So it is a long path. Now, did that dissuade me from watching Debo Samuel highlights last night and getting excited? Of course not. I did it anyways. <laughs> and that, that ultimately is the question, right? Would you do it? And I think the answer has to be yes. As much as I want to be a draft and develop purist, um, at the end of the day, what you're trying to accomplish with the draft is to find a Debo Samuel. And if you can do that, right? I mean, you're going to feel stupid if um, um, why can't, uh, Burks ends up becoming the next Debo Samuel, right? That's going to be stupid. If you give up a first-round pick, which is what it would cost for Burks anyway, so it's kind of a wash, but then have to pay the guy who's 26 and you could have gotten a, what, 22-year-old version of him on the first year of a rookie deal, you're going to feel a little bit stupid. But ultimately, that's what the goal is. If we draft Traylon Burks, the hope is that he becomes Debo Samuel. So why not just get Debo Samuel? 
Well, you got to pay him. Well, you're going to have to pay Burks at some point too. We're just kind of accelerating that a little bit. The only issue becoming becomes kind of trying to stagger where all your talent is. Whereas right now, a lot of our talent is kind of just, you know, everybody's coming on to their second or third year of, of their big deals kind of at the same time. We pay David Bakhtiari, we pay Kenny Clark, we're going to pay Jair, we're going to pay Elton, we're going to pay Rashawn. I mean, everybody's like just stacked on top of each other here a little bit too much. But if we look at these three wide receivers, um, in order as far as their grades are concerned, Terry McLaurin is a 78.3 overall grade, A.J. Brown 86.3, Debo Samuel 90.2. Terry McLaurin, by the way, as far as compared to the other guys on these same teams, Basically the same grade as Julio Jones had, just for perspective, and and also about the same grade as Brandon Ayuk. But um, Terry McLaurin is six foot two oh eight. He was a third round draft pick out of Ohio State in twenty nineteen. Um, as far as his grades are concerned, he had uh, let's call it two games that were in the elite tier, eighties and nineties. Um, eighty seven overall against Carolina, where he had one hundred and three yards and a touchdown. He had a, his best game was a 90 against the Giants, 93 yards. Um, a pile of good games, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 in the 70s, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 in the 60s, and then 4 in the 50s. So overall, fairly consistent. I mean, no real horrible games, although four kind of subpar games. Um, all of the, One of them was four targets, zero reception, zero yards against Dallas. That was his worst game, clearly. The other three, he was in the 20s, no touchdowns. Not a big touchdown guy, 1,053 yards, five touchdowns. Relatively consistent over three years. The problem is the production has gone down, 85, 78.5, 78.3. So decent, but I think as far as Terry McLaurin, the, the real big benefit would be he's a starting caliber wide receiver that isn't going to cost as much, which would be nice. Um, but he's still going to cost probably more than I would necessarily like. Next on the list is A.J. Brown, who I said again is probably going to get paid 1,011 yards, 14.9 yards per reception, and six touchdowns. A.J. Brown is a little bit more, um, a little bit more on the high end, but also still has that low end similar to Terry McLaurin. You've got the consistency over three years. He did go down this year compared to last year, but pretty much has stayed consistent. 81.8, 90.4, and 86.3, basically really dominant the last two years. But um, he had one, two, three, four, five games on the high end, 83, 83, 85, 90, and 91. His 91 game was against Kansas City, 133 yards and a touchdown. He also had 145 yards and a touchdown, 155 yards and a touchdown, 142 yards and a touchdown. That's impressive, right? Four games clear clearing well over 100 yards and a touchdown is is these are solid games right um he added to that one two three four games in the 70s one in the 60s and then he had his four games in the 50s um almost all four of those games were really one of the things that really drew it down was his drops um his drop grades are in the tank he had two of them against LA when he had a 57 overall grade he had three drops against Seattle and he had another drop against New Orleans. Indy, he didn't have any drops, but he had two targets, zero receptions for zero yards. Um, so those were his down games there. Uh, he's been clear over 1,000 yards all three seasons. And in 2020, when he had his 90 overall grade, he had 12 touchdowns. So 8, 12, and 6 touchdowns. So this was his lowest touchdown production, but his second highest receiving grade. So 
he's been consistently solid. And again, at six foot two twenty six second round pick, this is sort of what you're looking for in a um, in a Burks, right? In a Traylon Burks. And it was actually funny because um, Anthony on Twitter, uh, Anthony, that is, sent this to me. He said, uh, whose scouting report is this? And I'm just going to read it to you. It says, wins as a blocker, but technique is lacking. Feet off and lag behind his upper body, and he has issues staying square. Guilty of throwing a shoulder and not attempting to fit his hands inside. Doesn't sustain blocks for long enough. Play strength has the making of a true power forward that can keep the chains moving. Illustrates outstanding strength and balance with the ball in his hands. Must learn to use his power to win in the contact window if he's asked to play outside. He, uh, versatility, it says, has been featured as a big slot with minimal experience working outside. Vertical receiving skill set is modest and has not been uh, tasked with duties in the return game. Has much to improve to be considered a versatile weapon. His best trade is his hands. Worst trade is acceleration and fluidity. Red flags, none. And he said, whose report is that? And I said, is that Traylon Burks? I mean, the, 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 the biggest thing is they're clearly talking about him being a big, strong guy. And they're saying he's primarily a slot guy. I'm not sure if he can play on the outside. That's sort of his biggest question mark. And so I thought, well, that, I mean, it's got to be Burks, right? I mean, it could be just about anybody. I, I have no, you know, you get beyond the second, third round, I don't know, but the the low hanging fruit is Burks. And he said, actually, it's AJ Brown. That was his scouting report. And it sounds very similar to Traylon Burks. So again, it's one of those things where you're going to feel stupid if, if uh, Traylon Burks ends up being a stud, which by the way, again, most of these guys were second and third round picks. You got two second round picks and a third round pick. Traylon Burks, and maybe it's just because guys like this blaze the way and he's not actually better. They just realize how good some of these guys have have turned out to be. And they want, again, Terry McLaurin isn't necessarily built this way, but the A.J. Browns and the Debo Samuels, they want their version of that. And so maybe he's just going to go a little bit earlier. Or, again, maybe he's just better than those other guys were. Um. But anyways, you're going to feel kind of dumb if Traylon Burks ends up being just a better version of these guys and you let him walk because you went and drafted or, or paid a bunch of money for these guys. But he was a second-round pick in 2019. Again, six foot two, twenty-six, very similar to Burks. And then finally, Mr. Debo Samuel, um, he had 1,559 yards and seven touchdowns, 17.9 yards per reception. He's 5'11", 214, so not quite as big, but still obviously built like a very large human being. Um, this guy has a lot of upside. I mean, <laughs> when you look at his grades, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that were in the 80s or higher, which is incredibly impressive. Um, against Green Bay in the playoffs, 82.2. Against Seattle, 82. Chicago 84, LA 84, Detroit 86, Tennessee 90, and LA 90. Beyond that, he had one, two, three, four, five games in the 60s, two of them only in the 50s. So he had two quote unquote bad games, and his worst, his worst two, 58.8. So, I mean, let's call it a 60. And then one was a 54.5. That was against Cincinnati, one target, one reception, 22 yards. That was his one kind of really bad day. Um, in terms of big games, um, again, he only had the seven touchdowns, but he had a uh, hundred yard and a touchdown game, 156 and two touchdowns, 159 against Tennessee, 171, and his real big game against Detroit, 189 yards and a touchdown. Um, he played 30% in the slot, so you got the versatility, 66% out wide, 
10.8 yards after the catch per reception, which is crazy. Um, 2.93 yards per route run, which is extremely high. Every single time this guy just runs a route, he's getting three yards. Insane. 7.8 yards uh, average depth of target. 83 yards was his longest. Um, 27 missed tackles forced. 114.7 passer rating. Um, consistency over three years, 77, uh, 80, and then 90. The one big concern with him, I guess, would be the um, 90 being so vastly different. I mean, could it be that this is one of those guys that just had sort of an unusual spike, which again, kind of explains why maybe he is pushing so hard for this money because he's not really a 90 overall guy. He's more of a 77 to 79 kind of a guy. In which case, he could potentially be one of the worst of the three, and A.J. Brown's maybe the better receiver, and Debo just had a really, really good 2021 season. Because if you get regression to the mean, he goes back to being maybe like an 80 guy instead of a 90 guy. Which, again, still a good wide receiver, but he doesn't want to get paid like he's a decent wide receiver. He wants to get paid as though he's the best in the NFL type of wide receiver. So there's there's been a lot of people that have chimed in saying, I'd rather have Terry McLaurin, I'd rather have A.J. Brown, and I think there's... Um, some legitimate legitimacy to that, regardless of whether you're talking about better receiver or just um, better value. Um, Either way, you can make a case for any of those three, but um, it's a thing. It's kind of a big thing, and it's certainly worth talking about. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break right at this particular moment. And um, again, please remember to check out the GoFundMes. We've got one pinned to the top of my Twitter. We have one Pinned to the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Also, amodernfrontier.com is a great place to buy all of your meat needs and desires. Be sure you do that. Use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps, and you're going to get $25 off your order. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So another thing, kind of pivoting a little bit to the draft, um, I'm trying to go back and watch Jamison Williams, and I'm trying to really like the guy. And again, I have a hard time gauging speed, so if your biggest thing is speed, I just can't really get into it. On top of that, there's always, 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 always a guy that's really fast. He's projected to go mid-ish, to early-ish, you know, somewhere between like 10 and 20. And every year we're convinced that he's not just a speed guy. He's he's more than that. Well, maybe not every, every year, but, you know, Henry Ruggs in 2020, he's not just a speed guy. He's he's more than that. Again, Alabama, um, he's, 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 he's way better than like the Zay Joneses or whatever because he's such a smooth, clean route runner, all that stuff. Now, granted, we haven't really seen Henry Ruggs' career because he's, you know, obviously got some serious issues and whatnot. He's not in the NFL, won't be in the NFL. But really, when he got to the NFL, he was just kind of a speed guy, right? I mean, he didn't really do anything other than be really, really fast. Um, you could say Hollywood Brown. Uh, he he was a first-round pick, supposedly more than just a really fast guy down the field. He was going to do more than that, and he's gotten to the NFL. He hasn't been very good. John Ross, Right. 16 overall out of Washington back in 2017. He, he was going to be the next big thing, blazing speed like you've never seen. This this guy's different. He's going to change the game. John Ross has been garbage. Now, that's not to say if you're fast, you're bad, because obviously in 2021, you had guys like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and whatnot. I mean, these guys are quick. J- Jamar Chase is quick. Everybody at this point now, I mean, every year you got more guys that run fast 40s. I'm talking about the guy that has, you know, supposedly blinding speed, Right. This year, there's one guy. Now, there, clearly, there's more than one guy that's fast this year, but this year, there's one guy that's known as as like the game-changing, game-breaking speed guy, and it's Jamison Williams. And again, I can't really point to anybody that gets talked about the way Jamison Williams does and was really, really good and really anything better than just a speed guy. So I went and watched him, and I didn't see anything other than speed. And I also know how obsessed fans are with speed. So I, I'm, I went on Twitter, I said, be completely honest now. Because I know you're you're blinded by your love of speed, and I don't really know why. Because at this point, we've seen so many guys with with speed that can't do anything. I mean, do we know of any wide receivers that run in the four twos that are good at football? And I'm glad I at least had one person be honest because I had phrased it in some kind of something to the effect of, "Is he a mediocre? Is he a really good wide receiver, or is he a mediocre wide receiver that runs fast?" And at least one person said it's the same thing. No, it's not. And I think that's kind of what people think. I mean, it's he's fast, so we should get him. We had other people say something to the effect of, well, I, 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 it's worth the gamble to find out. No, 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 no. No, it's not. I want to know before I draft him that he's more than speed. If he's not more than speed, I don't want him, period. We've learned, end of story, no question about it, that just speed is not good enough. We know that conclusively. Everybody that's fast that's good at football is good at football, not because they're fast, but because they're good at football. Devontae Smith isn't good because he's just fast. Tyreek Hill, if it was just about his speed, and that's the thing, everybody that's fast is going to be Tyreek Hill, except nobody that's fast is Tyreek Hill except Tyreek Hill. Dante Stallworth, Jerome Mathis, Jacoby Ford, Marquise Goodwin, who again, Marquise Goodwin, you could say, was good at football, I guess. But first of all, he wasn't a first-round pick. He was a third-round pick. So, you know, he wasn't hyped up the same kind of way. Beyond that, Marquise Goodwin has always been like a wide receiver three. 
Dre Archer was another guy that was going to break the the record. He was going to be the fastest guy you've ever seen. Four two six speed, blazing, blazing fast. All this stuff. He ended up going to the third round, garbage. J.J. Nelson has done nothing. Was a fifth round pick. John Ross was going to be that guy. First round pick, number nine overall, going to change the game. Blah blah blah. Dude hasn't done jack squat. He ran a four two two. Henry Ruggs, same thing. Again, we didn't get to see his full career, but really nothing. Um, ben Skoranek didn't even get drafted because, again, beyond the speed, you have to be able to play football. Rondale Moore is on here, which is interesting. He actually ran a 4-2-8. I keep forgetting how fast he is. Seemingly a pretty good wide receiver. But the reason why I'm so shocked every time I see that he ran a 4-2-8 is because he wasn't billed as a straight-line speed guy. He just wasn't. He didn't have that same kind of thing as, you know, blinding speed and all that. That's not how people talked about him. Uh, Anthony Schwartz was a third-round pick in 2021. Um, and this year, the one guy that did it was Tyquan Thornton. And again, I wouldn't even put him in that same category necessarily, although you could because he's he's just he's not that guy. The guy that I'm talking about is Jamison Williams. I don't even know if he can run in the four twos, but presumably he can because everybody talks about how he has just got this ridiculous blinding speed. But the point is, I don't care. That doesn't mean anything to me. These none of these guys, with the exception maybe of Rondale Moore, are any good. And the guys that are good aren't good because they run in the four twos. Again, I just listed off twelve of them. Maybe one of them, maybe one of them is going to have a good career. And it's not because he's fast. Being fast isn't good enough. It's just not. And I'll be honest, when I I didn't see Chris Brout running, I never saw him get open out of his break ever. There's a lot of guys that get open out of their break. Why? Because they have such sharp breaks. You know, that that as soon as they stick their foot in the ground, they gain a little bit of separation. He never did. His separation came after he had several steps, meaning you're going to struggle to get him on passes shorter than 10 yards. The only way you're going to do that is if he's running like an in route and he's got, you know, several steps to run in toward the center of the field to run away from the guy that's covering him. And we're just talking about man defense. There's also been situations where he's open in zone, which you don't need speed to get open in zone, right? So really the only thing he did, and the, and the one thing that everybody I heard was gushing about is his route against Georgia, where he had like this sit-down route, which is impressive because it's hard to do that. I've only seen one wide receiver do that in my life, and it was so-and-so, and it's hard to do that when you're as big and tall and fast as he is. Here's the problem I have with that entire route. It was unnecessary. He was running clear past the guy. You could just see it. Every step he was taking, he was gaining about a half a yard. And if he'd have just kept running straight, he would have been clear past everybody. He did the stutter, the DB froze, and then the DB picked up, and they just picked up right where they left off. He was going to run past him anyways. So it wasn't the route that got him past him. It was his speed that got him past him. So, I mean, to be completely honest, as far as route runners go, I mean, he, he's, he's nowhere near the top 10. I mean, I, I, I could pick any number of guys just about that I've watched that are clearly better route runners than he is. Pretty much everybody that Packer fans like, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. I'm not sure about Traylon Burks, but I, I don't, I, I, again, I don't think he's necessarily a very good route runner. I think people are blinded by the fact that he's fast and they really want him because he's fast and they're willing to kind of just turn a blind eye to the fact that he's not really that good of a route runner. I just, I, I you know, I'm, I, listen, I'm not a professional scout. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I, I've watched football long enough to see what good routes... I, I, I'm not just lying when I say Devontae's a good route runner, right? It's not like I have no idea if he's a good route runner. I just say it because everybody else says it. I can see it. We can all see it. I've never seen him do any... That's what I said about Justin Jefferson. 
He reminds me of Devontae. His routes are so crisp and so clean. Olave, you can see it. Alec Pierce, you can see what he does that's endearing. Um, what the heck is the guy's name that's that I really like? Um, Sky Moore. I don't know what he has in terms of speed or everything else, but you want to talk about beating guys out of your break. That guy is so sudden was the word that I used. Jamison Williams is not sudden. Jamison Williams does not run sharp, crisp routes. He doesn't do anything other than run past guys over 10 yards. Right? Give him give him 10 yards in a straight line and he does it. And, and on top of that, the guy can't block to save his life. Well, that doesn't matter. I'm just going through the list of things that the guy would be asked to do. He can't do it. He doesn't, I mean, maybe his release off the line is is pretty decent. I think part of that is his speed. And the reason I say that is if you have speed, you can, it's a little bit easier to just run clean around guys because you can make up for that with your speed, right? I'm, I'm, it's, I can afford to waste a half a second, whereas somebody else needs to be kind of sudden and, and quick. I'm just going to run around you. I'm just going to run like a yard and a half to my left and then run straight because <laughs> I, I have the makeup speed to make up for however much longer it takes me to get around you. I'm, it's not like Devonte where I do a hop step and I, I break your ankles at the line and just run my route. He's not doing that. So, you know, I, I really don't want to dog Jamison Williams, and I want to be excited if we draft Jamison Williams. And again, if the Packers do, great, because they obviously see more than speed, or maybe they don't. Maybe they're also just blinded completely by their absolute um, obsession with speed, which they've already flat out come out and said that they, they have that and want that and need that. Um, and again, give me an upgraded MVS. That's awesome, right? Eventually you can use them, but I, I, I don't know. I just I don't necessarily want a guy that's going to have um, two 20-yard receptions a game, you know, or 30 or 40 or 50 or however long they end up being, but that's, that's not that interesting to me. You know, we gush over guys like Devontae Adams. All the top guys that we gush over, none of them are Jamison Williams. How many of the top guys that we gush over are Jamison Williams? I guess Tyreek Hill would be the one, but even Tyreek, it's not just deep passes. He crushes people with his routes. He gets open on, on, on curl routes and everything else. Jamison Williams, it's, you know, get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and he tries to beat guys to the edge, which honestly he doesn't do. And even his speed, again, I can't judge speed very well. I think it's nearly impossible to do. But the one thing I can do is I'm going to watch him run, and I'm going to watch the other wide receivers run, and I'm going to see how much faster he is. From what I can tell, a lot of the time, he's stride for stride with his other wide receivers. So if he's faster, which presumably he is, He's not that much faster. <laughs> I mean, if, if the guy on the other side of the field is stride for stride, how much faster is Jamison Williams? I mean, I get that he ends up behind the, the corner and DB, but that's my point. If it's all just build-up speed and it only um, matters beyond 10 yards, beyond 15 yards, then we're only talking about one thing. So I, I just, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm resting in the fact that I'm not a scout and I don't know what I'm looking at, but I have not been able to see anything other than you know, beyond 10 yards, he just runs past everybody. Nobody can run with him. Nobody. And and that does great things for the offense in general. I saw several times where he'll clear out an entire side of the field and open it up so somebody can come underneath. That's awesome. That is beneficial. I mean, it's going to help guys like Amari come underneath and, and uh, you know, Randall and Lazard and Sammy and whoever else. Great. That's wonderful. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a benefit to the offense overall, but I would still like a wide receiver that's just great on a down-to-down basis. Not the guy that you forget about on a week-to-week basis until that one time they have that one big game, which is two receptions for, you know, 102 yards and a touchdown. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot we got that one guy that's really good. Kind of a draft bust, but, you know, sometimes he has good games, like twice a year. I will say this, though. Um, the vast majority of people 
are obsessed with Jameson Williams, which again, I'm not convinced that it's not because people are just blinded by his speed. I, I'm still convinced that that's what people like about him. They heard that he's blazing fast and for some reason just don't remember that these guys never pan out um, and are blinded by it. But the one convincing argument that I heard, SB um, on Twitter said, I don't think he hits 1,500 yards in the SEC by just being mediocre. Not something I would want to overthink. First of all, I absolutely am going to overthink it. However, I went and looked it up because it's very easy to look this stuff up. And usually people say stuff like this, you look it up and you go, here's seven examples of that not being meaningful at all. However, whether purposefully or completely accidentally, he's exactly right. I did look it up. First of all, I'm kind of stunned at how few wide receivers actually hit that mark. I understand 1,500 yards is ridiculous. Like over 1,000 yards is is pretty ridiculous. But um, I guess I just assume because it's college football, you're going to have a bunch of guys just going off. But um, 1,500 yards this year, the only one was Jamison Williams. He had the most yards of anybody in the SEC. In fact, let me look at the entirety of college football. He was um, fifth in college football. Jordan Addison out of Pittsburgh, 1,593. Jackson Smith and Najiba out of Ohio State, who's going to be an absolute monster. Almost 1,600 yards. What does this say? Okay. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm doing a little side project. I got a new camera I'm playing with, and so I'm doing a little hyperlapse of me recording. I want to see what it looks like. Uh, but he's going to be an absolute beast. Devin Tompkins out of Utah State, 1722, and Jareth Stearns out of Western Kentucky, almost 1,900 yards and 17 touchdowns. But anyways, getting back to the SEC thing, because I have tried to play with this in other conferences and it doesn't work. Um, he's the only one. The, the Now, if we drop it down to 1,300, which is what I had said on Twitter, you can pretty much put it down to 1,300 and it still applies. Wandale Robinson is all, all also in that category. The reason I say that it's useful is because I went through and said, who meets this criteria? And I don't want to see if they're good football players or not. The only guy that did it last year, there were only two SEC wide receivers that were over 1,000. Um, Elijah Moore was the other one. He was only at 1,100, so he doesn't make meet the criteria. Devontae Smith, 1,856 yards and 23 touchdowns, which is stupid. Is Devontae Smith a good wide receiver? I think he is a good wide receiver. So that would be a case of here's another one that did it, and it would have been a good pick. 2019. You have, um, Devontae Smith was close, 12.59, but you have two guys, both of them LSU, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, which is crazy that there were two, 1,540 yards and 1,780. Do you think Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were good options to draft? I would say so, yes. So based on 2019, it also works. Let's look at 2018. You had two that were at the 1,300-yard mark. So again, if you want to bump it back up to 1,500, there were zero. But in this case, you have A.J. Brown, another big hit. That was a second-round pick. So it's not like, well, yeah, these are all just the best guys. No, this was a second-round pick and would have been a fantastic pick. And Jerry Judy. Now, Jerry Judy is the one big question mark for me because he's been relatively underwhelming in the NFL, in my opinion. Either way, most fans and I think the media still see Jerry Judy as a stud and probably just look at it and say the guy has had garbage quarterbacks and if he had even a mediocre quarterback he would light the NFL on fire so I'm willing to give that one a little bit of a of a pass in 2017 there were zero wide receivers that hit that mark AJ Brown had 1253 he was close Jamon Moore 1082 so it's a hard line at 1300 <laughs> because Jamon Moore clearly no chance go back to 2016 how many wide receivers did it? Zero. Josh Reynolds was the next closest. Jamon Moore, again, was knocking at the door. Um, 
2015, the highest was Laquan Treadwell, but he was only at 1,100. So again, nobody did it, which clearly the SEC has been blowing up recently. Then you go all the way back to 2014 was the last time, and this is as far back as I can go with PFF, but this is the last time somebody did it, aside from that big gap, and it was Amari Cooper. So all the way back to 2014, which is as far back as I went, the rule for, and I dumped it down to 1,300, if you find a wide receiver that got 1,300 yards in the SEC, the list is Amari Cooper, A.J. Brown, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Smith. Would anybody be disappointed with any of those guys? And I can go back and look at all the wide receivers. You could even say in the first round, because again, some of these are second round picks. I'll just take the first round. The hit rate is going to be nowhere near this good. Nowhere near. I can't think of a single, one single criteria that you could put out there that's going to have nearly 100% hit rate since 2014. This is one of them. And again, this year, Jamison Williams, Wandale Robinson are the two guys that did it. Um, Now, Another complicating factor here is we're basically talking about Alabama and LSU, right? Amari Cooper, uh, A.J. Brown is not, but Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and even Jamison Williams, which, again, Jamison would still fit into that criteria. Wandale Robinson, though, out of Kentucky, if he goes off, then this is just a done deal. If anybody in the SEC gets to 1,300 yards, it's game over, lights out. If Wandale Robinson doesn't, then I think we just bump it up to 1,500 because I think he was at 1,300. But um, that's, that, is, that was the most convincing case for me because of, of all the other guys that um, I talked about, including Henry Ruggs, didn't hit this mark, right? Because my, my opinion of this is Jameson Williams is not getting the same amount of hype as, as Henry Ruggs. And maybe it's because of the injury. I don't know. A lot of people are saying that this guy would be a, a clear top 10, possibly top five selection if it wasn't for his injury which again seems crazy to me because he's just a speed guy. I don't understand. But Henry Ruggs had more hype. And and again, the whole thing with Henry Ruggs is this guy's a clean and I think he I tend to agree. When I watched Henry Ruggs, I thought, you know, maybe he's not the best route runner, but he was decent. I mean, he'd come out of his breaks and he'd be open and he'd catch passes and he'd take off running. I don't know if he exactly had the same speed as Jamison Williams, which seems surprising or shocking, but his ability to catch and run and just run past the entire defense is really impressive. Um, but again, Jamison Williams and what he was able to do at Alabama with the, um, the amount of production he had was better than any of these other speed guys, any of them. Um, and so, you know, if he's just a speed guy, he was much more productive as just a speed guy and granted 20 yards per reception. I mean, that's obviously the vast majority of his receptions were, um, were deep passes, but on the same token, 78 receptions. Traylon Burks only had 65 receptions. So, I mean, if, you, if you're looking for a guy that, um, you know, just caught a bunch of passes, if you're looking for volume, granted, Wandale Robinson, who's second here, 104 receptions, only 12.9. So that's sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. He just caught a billion passes is how he crossed that mark. Jamison Williams caught significantly less at 78, but it's not a bad number. Um, you know, other guys that we know in this draft that are interesting, Valus Jones, 62 receptions. Um, who else? This is only SEC. I should probably get rid of that so we can look at this. Jalen Tolbert had 86, which is a similar number. Calvin Austin had 74. Now, granted, Jamison Williams played 15 games, so you, you, when you have you know two to three more games than everybody else, that's going to matter. But still, I mean, it's, it's not, again, it's not that low 
of a number of receptions. It's not like, well, he only caught three passes a game, and but they were just really big passes, and that's the only reason he was any good. I mean, if you just look at his games on a, on a game-to-game basis, we're talking, you know, four receptions, three receptions, four receptions, one reception, five receptions, 10 against Texas A&M, two, six, 10, six, eight, two, six, seven, four. I mean, half, just about half the season was five or more receptions, right? Five against Ole Miss, six against Tennessee, New Mexico, and Georgia, seven against Cincinnati, eight against Arkansas, 10 against A&M and LSU. So they got him the ball plenty. So I don't know. I, I, again, I personally struggle with it. If I had to put money down, I would say Jamison Williams is not going to be a super great wide receiver. Granted, I would say that just about any wide receiver. I think, you know, historically, Jamar Chase would be one that I would have not said that about. Um, maybe a couple others, but you know, just based on hit rate, but he, especially, especially Jamison, because again, he just fits that mold perfectly. He fits the mold of the guy that we've seen a thousand times that everybody says is Tyreek Hill, which again, I've heard that a billion times. Nobody that's ever been compared to Tyreek Hill has ever been, has ever reached Tyreek Hill level. In fact, none of them I, I, that I can think of have ever even been good. Find me one guy throughout this draft cycle that people said is the next Tyreek Hill that's even good at football at all. I don't know of any. And to be clear, if you look at his overall grades, 81 overall, um, he had one game that was graded really, really highly, and that was New Mexico State, which again, most people just scratch that off because it's friggin' New Mexico State. Otherwise, his highest was in the 70s. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight games in the 70s, which is great for consistency, but it's only 70s. And then he had 60s and 50s, 67, 64, 63, 61, 57, 56. So, um, consistently good is what I would say about Jameson, not necessarily, uh, which, which you could take that as positive or negative, right? I mean, maybe the more negative thing would be if he had like six games in the eighties and then a bunch in the forties, it's just like, well, this is a guy that can't give you anything other than a couple big plays a game. Consistently good is maybe good for a guy like Jameson Williams, who is in my opinion, just speed. So anyways, I just wanted to cover that because I'm, I'm trying as desperately as I can to really like the guy. I do want to go back. I started watching Texas A&M because the one game I watched was against Georgia. Um, that was sort of the, the the main game that most people watch. If you go to YouTube, that's the, the top one there. And again, I did not see a single thing against Georgia other than speed. Texas A&M, though, he has a much higher grade, right? That game against Georgia that everybody watches on YouTube, that was one of his lower gra- I mean, it was, it was a 70 overall. So it was, you know, kind of middle of the pack, slightly less than average. So I do want to watch his Texas A&M game. Not only were his stats much higher, but his grade was incredibly higher. Uh, whatever, whatever the words are, I don't know. But um, just to see if there's anything there, and maybe watch a second, third, fourth game until I can finally watch him go, run a good route and be like, all right, cool, he can do it. Let's let's move on. The other slightly convincing argument is you can't teach speed, but you can teach all this other stuff. The problem is not necessarily because again, if that was true, show me one other guy. Show me one other guy. Again, Rondale Moore coming into the NFL was was considered a good wide receiver. Rondale Moore was not just a speed guy. He was not, and, and people say he's not just a speed guy, but the only place you see that is in these scouting reports where they're like, but don't worry, he's not just a speed guy. He, he can also do, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. If your scouting report is about how good of a wide receiver you are, who is also fast, that's one thing. If your scouting report is about this guy is crazy, crazy fast, and then after 10 minutes of talking about how fast they are, you're like, oh, uh, but, but I mean, it's not just speed. I mean, you know, there's other stuff there too. Then I don't buy it because those guys struggle. So um, we'll see. I don't know. I, 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 there's a part of me that says the Packers aren't going to do it. 
because he's 179 pounds coming off an injury and he just doesn't really fit their prototype. On the other hand, again, we know they're obsessed with speed. And if they're super, super obsessed with a speed guy, um, maybe they do pull the trigger. And that would probably be a little bit of a heartbreaker for me. I know Packer fans would be doing backflips for at least 90% of them, but if they package their picks and move up for Jamison, I mean, there's a part of me that'll be excited, but there's also a part of me that's going to be like, oh, crap. <laughs> if we lost two picks on a guy that doesn't pan out, that's going to be rough. Um, I don't know. We, we don't need to talk about Jamison Williams anymore, but I did just want to bring that up, and, and partially because I want to be sold on him. So if you have seen anything, show me a game, show me you know, a, a go watch this game at this time. That was a, that was a dirty route, right? Cause I remember the one time he kind of ran a route and got a little bit open. I'm looking at it like, dude, that was, that was just ugly. That was stupid. That's not even a route. That was you like just standing there wiggling around. And then like, I don't know what that was, but that was brutal, man. I don't know. But, um, that's my favorite to ask of you. In fact, anybody that you like, don't just tell me you like them. Show me you like them. Show me what, what go watch this game go check this out, go whatever it is. Send me specifics because I want to be sold on a lot of different people. And I think the longer I do this, as much as my goal is I just want to like everybody, every single time I keep watching, I end up liking guys less. I'm, I'm almost all the way out on every single wide receiver at this point because I just, the more I watch them, the more it's like, nah, I don't know. But then again, it's like you look at Debo Samuel and um, I, when I was watching his highlights, I'm looking at a guy that you know wasn't really known for speed right? He didn't run blazing fast 40 or any of that kind of stuff. But all he does in these highlights is run away from people. And that's Traylon Burks. He didn't have blazing speed, but you watch his tape. He's a really big dude that somehow outruns people. And I kept seeing that in Debo. And I'm like, dang it, dude, Traylon's going to be good, isn't he? That dude's going to be a stud. And I'm, this is, oh crap, we better get him. (laughs) Right? So I can be sold. I just need somebody to help me do it because I just can't see the light with pretty much anybody anymore. I like Garrett a lot, but his size scares me. I like Alave, but there's always those smaller guys that are crisp route runners that I really like that they don't ever end up being good number one. They're, they're solid number twos. You know, they can be a Calvin Ridley type, but what about a, a true number one? Jamison, you know, again, I, I can't even think of an example of a guy in the NFL right now that is a Jamison Williams that's just crushing it right now. I can't. You could try to call it Tyreek if you want, but I mean, that's getting tired at this point. Um Traylon Burks, I can see. George Pickens, I like a lot, but again, I'm just I'm nervous about it. Jahan Dotson is exactly the type of guy I always like, and they always let me down, so I, I can't even do it anymore. Um, and it doesn't just have to be wide receiver. Give me something. Send me a play, right? If it's just something on Twitter, like, check this play out. I just, I, I need to start getting excited, because again, that's my goal. I want, no matter who the Packers pick, I want to be doing backflips, and at this point, every day that goes by, I'm liking every single prospect less and less. I'm getting closer and closer to, hey, how about we trade all these picks for 2023 picks and we just load up next year, dude. going to be so many good players. It's just going to be great next year. This year? Nah, sucks. <laughs> Pass rushers. My Trayvon Walker. Used to love the guy. Yeah, the production scares me. Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, he's fallen. Yeah, he's, he's lazy. He doesn't care about football. Jermaine Johnson was my guy, but you go back and watch him and it's like, mm, I don't know. Karloftis is pretty good, but I don't know. Ajabo, he's just, he's hurt. Yeah, but his tape looks good. Yeah, he's hurt, though. Mafe, I don't know. I don't have a Katie's name is Katie. That's weird. I don't, I don't like it. I'm just, I'm, I'm pouting about every single prospect these days. Help me. Help me get excited. I need it. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, we're getting close, man. I'm, I, ultimately, that's what I need. I, as much as I need you to send me highlights or whatever it is, 
I just need the draft to be here. I need it to be eight days from now, um, draft day. And I'm going to be an absolute basket case on draft day, by the way. But, you know, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm going to be grilling food and trying to keep myself occupied, but I cannot wait. So, anyways, I'm going to get out of here. I got to get going to work. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>